Today's show unwraps into the concept of rebranding. We explore our own change and pull opinions that emphasizes that a brand or a name is essentially a perception that aligns with reality over time. This notion is intriguing when applied to the brand perception of interviewing Jesus, hinting at the evolution and the authenticity that will emerge. Can you interview Jesus? Next up, picture this. You get a one-shot chance to quiz the big guy upstairs. What burning question would you throw his way? Dive into your deepest curiosities and thirst for divine wisdom with the mind-bending scenario. You will be surprised the Google responses I found. And in a sneak peek of the new show intro I recorded, we witnessed a jaw-dropping moment when Jesus' youth, when his wisdom left everyone speechless, his sassy reply to his parents, why were you looking for me? It nudges us to ponder our own spiritual journey and the quest to find Jesus in our everyday lives. Let the soul searching begin. I'll see you on the inside. Hello from the Pacific Northwest. This is Kristen from KristenWombag.com and you're listening to Interviewing Jesus Podcast. At just 12 years old, Jesus embarked on his first interview posing the thought-provoking question, Why were you searching for me? You and I have already discovered the allure of Jesus lies not in the miracles witnessed. They are totally amazing, and we appreciate having access to more. But his allure is in the profound instance of love that engulfs us when we partake in the essence of his being. This is our captivating question. In that instance, our eyes are opened. In that instance, his cross became our cross. In that instance, our questions become answers. In that instance, we see ourselves totally represented and mirrored in him. How does love do that? How do we engage the mystical and make it practical? Join me and my special guests as we share journeys of life, bridge the beyond, and explore dimensions where love reigns supreme. But before we talk about the spiritual woo-woo, we need to answer his question. Why are you searching for me? because I know you want to show me the answer. Good afternoon, dear family. Did you notice anything? Hello and welcome. I am thoroughly delighted to spend this time with you. 
If this is your first time tuning in, you caught us in a change mode, a rebrand mode. We have shifted. And haven't we just been talking about that bigger place, listeners? I know. Can you believe it? I have a little story for you. So in our stretching our tent pegs mode, feeling season shift, I was walking to the bathroom the other day, getting ready for a shower. And right when I stepped through the door, I heard God say, you need to change the title of your podcast. And I heard interviewing Jesus. And I mean, it was just as clear and easy to hear. And I went, really? Uh, oh, okay. Um, I wasn't expecting that. Oh, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. And you know what I find amazing? Interviewing Jesus wasn't being used. No, I hurried into my office. I Googled it, you know, us technical people, us entrepreneurs, we got to see what the domain is doing, right? There were no dot coms, no nets, nothing. I Googled to see what was out there. A couple of lonely blogs about interviewing Jesus, but nothing. In this day and age, I find that a miracle. It's amazing to find some catchy phrase that hasn't been tagged or dot com or on sale for you know who's daddy somewhere, right? A new name. What do you think? How does it make you feel? And what, what questions does interviewing Jesus, what does it prompt? Kind of radical, isn't it? Right up my alley. But then again, we have several episodes just in this season all about hearing and seeing and listening and knowing God, right? <laughs> I say that the Lord took us up on our stretching out our tent pegs and he filled us up on the inside, wouldn't you? <laughs> okay, let's put a little hedgerow around our episode today so that we know where we're going. Three thoughts that we will repeat throughout. The first is rebranding or branding. Elon Musk, CEO of Tesla and SpaceX, he shares this in a language of perception. A brand is just a perception, and perception will match reality over time. Hmm. Number two, since this branding makes us top-heavy on the word interviewing, I thought I would ask you a couple of questions, okay? If you could only ask God one question, what would it be? I 
have some interesting answers for us to ponder. Mm -hmm. If I asked you that, we're sitting in my office, a couple of glasses of wine, and I said, okay, you can only ask God one question. And just put an, an eternal aspect over one. You only get one question. What would it be? Hmm. <laughs> Are you thinking? <laughs> in highlighting the new show intro, I corralled Jesus's first words that were recorded in Scripture. We're all familiar with the story in Luke 2. At 12 years old, Jesus visits the temple during Passover. When his parents departed for home, Jesus stays behind, amazing the teachers with his understanding. His parents find him after three days, and though they do not fully understand his statement about his father's house, Mary treasured those things in her heart. Do you remember the story? He answered his frantic parents this. Why were you looking for me? Well, I took that to heart for today's episode to talk about it, you and I. Why are we looking for Jesus? And if we could tweak that and make it even more personal. And here Jesus is asking you, why are you searching for me? There, we have our outline. Jonas Sachs, an entrepreneur and author of Winning the Story Wars, he talks about a brand like this. Your brand is a story unfolding across all customer touch points. That's huge. So what did I do in this modern age? I asked Google to help me interview these questions. And I also asked, answered the public. We all go there. We all go to Google to ask things. Well, here we are. My first jewel of a find is a story from a dad. I made the necessary changes to be able to share it online. His story. My son shared a memorable story from a group of young people attending a summer project where a guest speaker posed a thought-provoking question during a conference. The speaker asked, If you could ask God one question while in his presence, what would it be? Most of the attendees opted for questions about marriage, spouse, relationship, or matters of doctrine. After each response, the speaker inquired, why that question? In contrast, My son pondered deeply and asked, God, what is your favorite color? The speaker paused 
briefly. He acknowledged the question, but he swiftly moved on to the next attendee. Later on, the speaker proceeded to kind of jest my son for not approaching the question seriously throughout the conference. Huh. In my view as a dad, given the circumstances of being in God's presence and limited to one question, my son's query was indeed a fitting and intriguing one. Hmm. What's your favorite color? I have three reasons for this perspective, said the dad. God promises, guarantee, that seekers will find, that doors will be open when we knock, that those lacking wisdom will receive answers generously, and that Holy Spirit will reveal truths when asked in faith. As a truth seeker, why miss the chance to ask a question that is assured to be answered? Patience will ultimately provide answers to doctrinal queries and future opportunities, as truth is knowledge of things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. Truth doesn't change. Consider this second point. In God's presence, you have the opportunity for one question. Why not ask something personal that would foster a deep connection with your Heavenly Father. The first and the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart. Hmm. Lastly, if you asked a seemingly trivial question like, what is your favorite color? And you received an answer every time you saw that color thereafter, it would serve as a reminder of that personal moment in which God delighted to answer. So, listener, (laughs) what is God's favorite color? (laughs) P.S. My answers are in the show notes. Moving on. (laughs) Our dad's story opened up our opportunity to hear others' response. And here are a few that I found very easily. If I could ask God just one question and have a direct answer, it would be, Are you there? That answer alone would be pretty life-changing for me. If you could always break out with the Job interview favorite, what would you say is your greatest weakness? I would ask why our knowledge has been so limited in this life. I'm sure the answer would blow my mind and I'd be like, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been ready for all of that. 
Your son asked a powerful question. Actually, after hearing it, I think I will adopt it myself because after all, my faulty pleas, my constant requests, my endless prayers, I think more significant than me would be for me to know who God is, not as a deity, but behind that, the living, thinking, the personality, the smile in the thoughts. To really get to know him, I guess is truly the greatest treasure I could seek. Hmm. Why do you make it so hard to believe? In short term, hmm. I asked, answered the public, and out of the top Google searches reports, I received 390 questions people asked if they could ask God. I chose just a few. Can you ask God for a sign? Can you ask God for money? Can you ask God to forgive someone else? Can you ask God for help? Can you ask God for a blessing? Why do you have to ask God if he already knows? When you pray to God, will he answer in English? Why do we ask God to bless our food? Why do we ask God to heal our land? Who do you pray to? God the Father, Jesus, or Holy Spirit? Where were you, God, when this and this and this happened? And God, why do you allow all of those awful... You get the picture. I do believe we have opened a Pandora's box with mercy all over it. Mm -hmm. Let me share one of my favorite stories. And yes, it's in the unfinished book. It's a perfect interview with the master. I changed her name to Bonnie. I'm still in relationship with her, and she knows that I'm sharing part of her story. Bonnie is rough around the edges, tough as nails, unless she lets you into her heart. She's a diamond in the making, tender, kind, encouraging, beautiful, creative. Oh, I love her. I met her over 10 years ago while hiring staff members to work for me at a local youth summer camp. Her mom came to the interview looking a little uh, disheveled by her strong-willed daughter. I loved Bonnie immediately and hired her. Believing in someone is a transformational exchange. Bonnie had no references until I gave her one. That metamorphosis begins to occur when they see you sign your name on the reference paper. Summer camp, 
it's a great experience. But dealing with negative parenting style issues, oh my gosh, help me Jesus, moving on. (laughs) After pre-camp training, it was time to run the race. Parents happily dropped off a new set of campers every week. Bonnie was an ace, though not as a model employee. You could sense that her thoughts were always somewhere else, but she continued to come back to camp after breaks. Amen. I was amazed. I'd assign her the trying and terrible campers, the ornery cases, the chip-on-the-shoulder ones, the bullies and brilliant children who manipulated and controlled any possible authority. Bonnie had a knack, brilliantly dealing with special needs children who knew they were special and could work the system, broken children that could vomit on cue to get their point across, parents' label of, she's allergic to this and allergic to that, to everything children. I worked Bonnie hard and she was marvelous. Her fellow camp counselors and campers, they loved her because she was tough and knew the drill by personal experience. Been there, done that, burned the t-shirt. <laughs> Sadly, she only worked for me for one season. Memories forever embedded in my heart. I lost track of Bonnie through her final high school years. Then, hmm, she started popping up erratically now and again, which turned into divine coincidences as we kept running into each other. Odd, even outside our local comings and goings. I love it. Holy Spirit moments. Yes, Jesus. What clinched the relationship to mentorship was my church leased offices and a worship place, which were in the same building as her mom's office. Divine timing divine moments. Bonnie worked for her mom on and off. The mentorship was birthed. After denying and wrestling with the pull, Bonnie began to find herself seated in my office, tears running down her face and amazed that somebody would listen. It was usually on a whim of desperation, but my door was always open. Over the course of a few months, we started walking through some inner healing. I asked her when she said a derogatory statement about herself, Are you okay with that? She responded with, Why? What do you think? I threw the ball, the negative confession, right back at her time again. And it's time to listen to your own heart and deal with what it's saying. From that I know about her, the only 
ism or church structure she got exposed to was more of a generational one. She went to weddings and funerals. You obviously went to church. It was more from her nationality than a conviction from her parents. She was less religiously structured or damaged. Mm -hmm. The pattern of her popping into my office on a whim, it was transparent. She was... Missing, though, the ownership and responsibility. I needed to show her how she could meet Jesus without me being in the room. Well, the next time a situation pushed her into my office, she said, "Um, Can you do that thing that you do and make it go away? Meeting the torment, the distraction, and the shame. The enemy always has an auto-start setting filled with YouTubes of our lives, right? I got up from my desk and I motioned, let's go hang out in the prayer room for a bit. We settled ourselves comfortably on the floor pillows, leaning against the wall, and she began to do the same thing and dump and dump and dump. Up went my hand, nope. Uh Uh-uh. Before you share, we need to step into heaven so you can share with him, she said. Okay. How do you do that? In brief, I shared with her that when Jesus died on the cross, and she was familiar with that, his death ripped through and removed what had separated us from Father God. Because of Jesus, we have complete access to the Father. It's called the veil. We can step through by faith in Jesus as the door. Well, she didn't need a middleman or me, only him. I asked her if she believed that Jesus wanted to talk with her. She said yes. We bowed our heads and closed our eyes for honor and focus purposes. I mentioned to her that Jesus was going to show her a particular thought or feeling or picture. Just believe what he shows you. We waited for just a moment. And she was spiritually inside, crossed over. It was amazing. The gospel is so simple and easy to recognize his love. I asked her what she was perceiving, and she began to share a particular room, and Jesus was there with her. She went on to describe in part as emotions began to consume her. Bonnie shared out loud, and those parts grew less and less of her experience as I watched her like she was watching and viewing a 3D movie. Tears, recognition, and emotions. She only asked me a few more times, what should I do? I just directed her back to the author and the finisher of her faith. She heard, saw in the spirit, and responded like a champ. 
Jesus spoke, he answered, and guided her brilliantly. The best inner healing meeting I have ever had the privilege to witness. Uh, uh, uh. She had clarity in all that went on. I think we were in the prayer room for maybe 40 minutes. When Jesus ended that particular conversation, she sat wiping her wet cheeks, free, loved, and a little stunned, and emotionally spent. Bonnie looked at me and said, I was in heaven, wasn't I? <laughs> I smiled, knowing the gentle hand of Savior and friend. Yes. <laughs> Life and Bonnie still wrestle with each other. She's holding down a good job, rents an apartment, and is a making a home for her son. I don't see her as often because our paths have changed. She texts me now and again, and we get together when she's in town. Yes, I still listen to her struggles. The listening reminds her that I love her, so she quiets, and we always meander back to that moment when Jesus sat with her in a secret place. She talks about him, how he made her feel, how gentle and real that encounter was and is. He remains alive, practical, and accessible to her today. She still is discovering that relationships, they walk together over a period of time, over life. I'm so proud of her and thankful to have introduced her to Jesus on the mountain. Jesus as king. Oh, he already transfigured in her heart. The only cross she will ever know is the one who through experiential relationship brings victory, love, destiny, resolve, unity, and why he chose to carry it. The Jesus she knows is alive. He's ruling and reigning and willing to remove any brokenness. There are no suffixes before or after the title on the billboard. Something added to the end of something else. No Jesus is or Jesus isms or Jesus addicts, just Jesus and all of heaven to begin to live from, in, and to. I love sharing that story. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I invite you to pop over to the show notes. It's a great way to view the investment of this episode. You will love it. Thank you for spending this time with me. I appreciate you. I love you. Now, hmm. let me ask you our two questions and one thought. What is your perception of the brand Jesus. 
And how will that perception match reality over time? If you only could ask God one question, what would that be? And then Jesus asks us a question in the very first portion, his recorded words, very first. And I guarantee you will feel him listening to your answer. Why are you searching for me? I'll see you again next week. Bye now.